had the opportunity to be the guy that the ultimate warrior came back and faced in his debut match. Unbelievable! You're the most reckless individual in the history of the World Wrestling Federation! Mixed emotions because when I finally got to the arena that day, I got to find out how big of a what the ultimate warrior really is. Probably one of the most unprofessional guys I've ever stepped into the ring with. That day I went in the ring at WrestleMania and I stood in front of a sold out Anaheim Pond and I did what I had to do and I wrestled the ultimate warrior to the best of my ability. You know, looking back on it, I always think it was an exciting match for me because it was against a huge star in the business and it was the ultimate show. It was my first time there and it was great on one hand, but he ruined the experience for me on the other hand. Let me tell you something. 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 Let me tell you something, man. Greetings, Grapple fans. It's time once again for two gentlemen to discuss the ungentlemanly conducts of people in underwear or various other forms of spandex clothing that you would not see out and about on the streets except maybe in here in lovely Leicester as we talk about the world of professional wrestling in a podcast form. Quite the unique selling point. Yes, it's let me tell you something. I'm your co-host Lorcan Mullen and with me, as always, is the Blade Runner Rock to my Blade Runner Flash. The Johnny Gargano to my Tommaso Ciampa. The shameless lack of respect for intellectual property to my renegade, Mr. Simon Cross. Simon, how are you doing, mate? Uh, I'm doing wonderful. Uh, I seem to have dressed rather appropriately for the occasion, as I am currently wearing a... T-shirt from Squared Circle, oh, which uh, pays homage to our subject today. Yes, as it is from, like you are claiming yourself to be from parts unknown, we are going to, I don't know if celebrate's the right word, but we're going to assess the life and times of one ultimate warrior, a.k.a. Jim Helwig, a.k.a. briefly uh, Blade Runner Flash, I believe, or Blade Runner Rock, or maybe even least likely the dingo, dingo warrior that he was once known as now the ultimate warrior is i think one of the one of the key things that we will repeat ourselves very often in these podcasts one of the things that everyone probably knows now if you've listened quite often is one of the key concepts of this podcast is that we're two differing generations of wrestling fans uh, my wrestling fandom began when i was about six years old in 1990 my age corresponds with the WrestleManias when I'm 33. It will be WrestleMania 33. When I'm 41, it will somehow be WrestleMania 47. I don't know how that will happen. <laughs> but that's where I'm coming from. So to me, The Ultimate Warrior was a, was one of the pivotal 
first characters of my wrestling knowledge. However, for Simon, the Ultimate Warriors' activities would have all been, as far as the in-ring goes, would have pretty much all been a thing of the past when you got into wrestling early into the 2000s. During the Ruthless Aggression era. Uh, yes, the Warrior, for me, was always a character I knew existed. Mm. Um, but obviously, Sans Network and Sans uh, Decent Internet Connection. I didn't know much about... I hadn't seen much of the Ultimate Warrior's work. I didn't know too much about him, other than the fact that... Um, when I started buying Power Slam was around the time of the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. Self-destruction DVD, yes. Uh, so I knew that he was persona non grata in the WWE. Mm. But I kind of knew exactly what for, because they went into some detail. But I wasn't around with whole, around when all the murky stuff went so down. Can but... you? So can you remember the first time you watched an Ultimate Warrior match? Can you remember... Or was it just in, you'd see him in music video montages, or you'd read about him in articles, but the actual physical Ultimate Warrior um, was something you didn't see, really? Or or are you still kind of a not particularly knowledgeable when it comes to the exploits of Jim Hellwig? I've seen most of his uh, triumph at WrestleMania six. Uh, one of the I think his triumph at WrestleMania six is one of the re- reasons you kind of became a wrestling fan to an extent. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Just, just uh, yeah. is, is there any other Ultimate Warrior? This is weird. Moments? I've seen the rematch between him and Hogan, Halloween Havoc, at Halloween Havoc. I've seen that whilst in the process of researching uh, one of our former episodes, Goldberg. Goldberg. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yes, um, a very weird juxtaposition of matches mm. and pacing mm. on that card. Um, so that could scar you for life and make you not want to revisit the Ultimate Warrior ever again. So have you never really dipped your toe in after that? Um, I've I've used most of the time with the network to have a look at little things in WCW history. Mm. Now, Warrior's Halloween Havoc match pretty much was the beginning and end of his WCW history. So mm-hmm. as a result, I've not seen too much beyond what WWE would typically show you looking back. Mm. Um, the most poignant thing I have seen of the Ultimate Warrior is the last thing I ever saw, or anyone ever saw of the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. But the farewell. The address. farewell address. No, there wasn't known to be a farewell address at the time. <clears throat> Although, as lots of people like to point out, it was strikingly uh, prescient mm. in some of the things that he proclaimed, like "Every man breathes his last breath," which. He would do less than twenty four hours after that. I I know for a fact I've had people uh, say to me that he must have known on some level. I don't uh, I don't buy into I don't, that. I don't buy into that. You could see that he was struggling when he tried to shake the ropes. There was clear issues at hand. But for him to know that he had like a, a ticking clock behind him, I would assume if you've got that little time left, you might want to spend it with your wife and your kids rather than on TV with a company that until. 72 hours earlier had, had hated, hated you. your guts. Uh, we'll get to that in a second, but first, of course, like I guess I have to say from my autobiographical point of view, I think it's interesting, a lot of wrestlers around my age, a lot of fans around my age, the Ultimate Warrior is very often the first person that they say got them into wrestling, or was the first thing that caught their imagination when they got into wrestling. Because so, like me and a lot of them will have been born during or just before Hulk Hogan's run, so Hulkamania was something in the background. It's, it's peak years, 1987, 1988, 
were just before I got into wrestling. And we got into wrestling, guys like us were getting into wrestling just at the time when the Ultimate Warrior hit his peak of WrestleMania 6 and uh, WrestleMania 7 with Macho Man, Ran- Macho King, Randy Savage. So I think to us, the Ultimate Warrior is maybe more pivotal than Hulk Hogan is to people a few years older than us. Um, in my book, Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan, have you read Chick-blood. that yet, Simon? Chick-blood. Have you read that yet, Simon? Have you read uh, that yet, Simon? Um, You've got plenty of other books on your <laughs> bookshelf. <laughs> well, I was going to accuse you of being passive-aggressive, but I think you've just it's been aggressive-aggressive aggressive now. <laughs> um, it's on the to-do list. It's on yes, the to-do list. yes. Um, so the first, I think the, the first chapter, because it, it, it was structured like a fever pitch by Nick Hornby. That's what I've always pitched it as, fever pitch in spandex. Uh, wrestling fans history coinciding with the history of wrestling. And, and each chapter is uh, headed by a particular match. The match might be a key part, it might be the only part of the chapter, or it might just be kind of the setting of the background of the chapter. Of where you are... Yeah. yeah, but the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania Six is kind of the perfect summation of the appeal of wrestling in the in the Hogan era. Uh, you know, I think if you look at the pivotal moments of WrestleMania, I think that of the early years, that is in the top four with the first WrestleMania: Hogan, Andre, Randy Savage winning the world title and the Mega Power storyline, and then it's the Ultimate Warrior. I see it as that generation's streak ending. Yeah, pop. Yes, very much so. Um, yeah, it was. It's at the level of shock uh, when he does pin Hogan. Well, it's 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 a fascinating form of, as as Gorilla Monsoon would say, it's the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. It's one of those few matches, and I love this, and they very rarely were able to do this in wrestling where you can't comprehend what would happen to the person if they lost. Mm. That losing seems so impossible to either man uh, that it would destroy their character almost to an extent. Did um, Hogan Andre have the same kind of thing to it? I think, think it might have done to people that whole, at the time uh, that Andre was seen as invincible. Mm. You know, he hadn't been beaten in 20 years, allegedly, and, and all that. And so it was similar, but that was still, it was a, it was a, it was a two differing generations. It was the start of the 70s and the start of the 80s. I don't think at that point... Hogan wasn't at the stage in his career that Andre was at that stage in his career. Hogan was still seen as the main guy. It wasn't like now you see, as we speak at this point, it seems that the John Cena era is slightly it's unraveling. Ending. It's not ending, but it's his position on the card. The fact that as of right, as of speaking, he's on SmackDown instead of Raw mm. says it all. Hogan wasn't in that stage yet, or the perception wasn't that. He, you know, in the WWE's mind, he probably was still going to get bigger and bigger and bigger because he was going to go off to film Suburban Commando. They'd done No Holds Barred, you know. They were still selling out the Toronto Skydome. They were planning to sell out the LA um, Coliseum mm. the next year to hold 100,000 people. So they thought, which would have been even bigger than WrestleMania three. So obviously they thought that they're still going up. And I don't think they saw that Hogan was going away. It was just another guy was going to come up and they essentially had two great figureheads. The closest equivalent to a main event, I suppose, other than that, was WrestleMania 17. Austin Austin Rock, Rock. sorry. Uh, Two wrestlers, both in their theoretical prime. Uh, Both kind of needing to win. Austin needed to win because he needed the championship. The Rock had actually lost already uh, WrestleMania 15. And he'd only just won the title back. So it was that, you know... Surely he needs to beat Austin at some point, mm. otherwise he will always be seen as second best. 
So again, and so again, it was that context of how how does someone lose, and the way that someone loses by Austin turning heel. Um, so the Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan, it's so many colours, so many bright colours. It's yellows, it's greens, it's, it's oranges. Yes, and, it's, and that's just the tan. And also, one thing that's interesting, in, you know, if you look at the physiques as well, they're both such huge physiques. By the time you get to Halloween Havoc, Ultimate Warrior had slimmed down a fair <clears> bit. Hogan had slimmed down a fair bit. Their steroid bulk prime. I mean, just look actually, an even better indicator is two years later at WrestleMania 8, yeah. when the Ultimate Warrior made his first return. He had him. shrunk down so Hogan. Yeah, yeah. When Hogan was going to do his farewell, Warrior had shrunk down so much through a lack of steroid, one would assume, uh, toning down steroid use, that people were convinced that it was a different person, that the original Ultimate Warrior had died. And the Kerry... legend goes that, that people, a lot of people thought it was the Texas Tornado carrying on Eric. Eric. Yeah. yeah, I... Uh... It's weird. I, I just came across that rumor today, and it's just like it's one of those playground things. Like there, were, there have been those of different undertakers. It's the Marilyn Manson effect. Yeah, yeah. Everyone has heard the Marilyn Manson story. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a few stories. The Marilyn Manson ones. Are, okay, the one I'm thinking of is that he uh, dug up bones in a graveyard and, and smoked the bones. No, no, I didn't know that one. I'm the all other, about the, the rib removal. The rib removal. Well, I'd always heard that attributed to Prince. And it seems more likely that Prince would do that <laughs> than Marilyn Manson. Um, uh, all I know is uh, it might have been a generational. And thing. the other and the other crazy legend about Marilyn Manson was that he was the kid who played Fred Savage's best friend in the Wonder Years. That it was the same person. <laughs> but that was the Ultimate Warrior. He was this sort of playground legend. Legend, and and the name itself. It wasn't even Hulk Hogan, which is an absurd first name with a regular surname. You know, he's not Brett the Hitman Hart. He's not anything. He's Brett Hart could sell you insurance. Yeah. A man he's... called Brett Hart could yeah. sell you insurance. But Warrior Warrior, as he came to be known, or the Ultimate Warrior, or I even think the... he just went by Warrior. I think it was a mononym. My yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, possibly. The the legend I'd heard that it was Warrior Warrior. First ah. name Warrior, last name Warrior. Almost certainly it wasn't one of them, although his kids took his mm. name as their last name. Yeah, and there's Dana Warrior as well. Yeah. To be fair, Hellwig's not a great name to have either. You know. Apologies to all our Hellwig listeners yes, out there. What, what, what would that be? Would that be uh, Austrian, German roots? Most likely. The Hellwigs. Yeah. yeah, I'd say so. I'd say it's Germanic in nature. Yeah, it sounds it. Uh, yeah. We do a lot of diversions on this show. <laughs> Uh, almost as if it's but a wild, point... random, stream-of-consciousness garble fest. Much like an Ultimate Warrior promo. Because that's the thing about the Ultimate Warrior. He's such an outrageous, out-there character. There'd never really been anything like him before, and there hasn't been anything subsequent to him. Which is what made him so compelling to yeah. people in the playground. He was the zenith. Yeah. The, 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 the top of the top there in were, terms of the there, outrageous character. Yeah, there were face-painted wrestlers like Sting or what have you, or the, the, the Road Warriors. I suppose the Road Warriors will be the closest thing to what the Ultimate Warrior was. But even then, they didn't... What was interesting about the Ultimate Warrior was he kind of made himself mythical. His references to the skeletons and the bones, and, and almost implying that he's some sort of warrior spirit that has passed on from generation to generation. Like, he might be one of the few people that when they say, actually, I'm a reincarnated spirit of Alexander the Great, you go, well, it seems more possible than most people <laughs> to, to have that in you. It, there, there was, like... You had he had to be from parts unknown. 
Yeah. you couldn't believe that someone like it, that could be from Tucson, Arizona. That someone like that would actually walk amongst you. Yeah, that he someone, had that Yeah, that someone of, like that has to go out for a pint of milk. Celebrity status, kind of like Beyonce. In terms of, you yeah. imagine, can you imagine Beyonce buying milk? Uh, I can see that a bit more. Beyonce doesn't run around with face paint on, to the best of our knowledge. Um, no, but that's the thing about the Ultimate Warrior. He was, but that also I think was his ultimate under pit under um, failing to never be perceived as an equal to Hulk Hogan. Like I said in the first chapter of my book, I go into these details of how just the name of the Ultimate Warrior, the stories that I was told about him and Hulk Hogan <coughs> fighting for forty minutes, as my uh, my cousin uh, told me. You know, which is an incredible amount of time, and then. Later on, I go to ProWrestlingHistory.com and find out it was actually like 22 minutes, 31 seconds. But it was... Um, yes. But yeah, it was just... it was he, he was... But because of that, he wasn't necessarily relatable or, or understandable to the public. And so it, it seemed more of a niche but character. Did... The, way, the way I describe it... And I don't agree with this in hindsight, but in the book I describe it as Hulk Hogan is queen... The Ultimate Warrior is the crazy frog. Which is a harsh way, and I do regret, and I don't, don't regret, that's how I felt at the time, but as as time's gone on, I don't think Crazy Frog's the best example of that, but it's of a... Um... He's Rick Astley. No, he's not Rick Astley. He's something like, he's Prodigy during the sort of Firestarter, Breathe era, where they were yeah. the Prodigy were getting number one singles. But you couldn't, that wasn't going to happen year on year on year, whereas Queen were a sustainable... Equally preposterous, but in a more marketable way. Right. To the okay, masses. Okay, you know, so Hulk Hogan can go on the Tonight Show, and instead of being like this, brother, then he goes into the Hulk Hogan voice that you hear like that. But then when the Ultimate Warrior goes on, it just feels like the the mystique is kind of diffused. Mm. Like he's on Regis and Kathy Lee, and he's and he's got like uh, he doesn't have the full face paint on he's got he went through this period when he was the WWF champion of having just the ultimate warrior symbol sort of on his cheek hmm. uh, when he'd do public appearances or he'd wear aviator glasses because that was always one of the weird things about people with face paint you are seeing their face it's not like a mask like Rey Mysterio where in theory the contours of the cheeks or and everything Kane when he first or Kane where you can't see the contours of the cheeks so you can't really make out the face you can make out the face of the ultimate warrior but it still doesn't seem like a face. Like a face. That's why it seemed like a different person could could have been him just with yeah. the face paint. But the Undertaker it was more that he went so far from the swept back hair look to the hair over the face, so you couldn't mm. ever really see his face anymore uh, for the majority of the match. Um, like I said, we're going all over the place, but it seems appropriate for the other <laughs> one. It's one of the it's one of the few shows I haven't really brought any notes with me. Um, so I mean, this is this is the thing with Ultimate Warrior, as is as I as we've previously alluded to. He was around more when you were growing up, and you were in tune with wrestling. But incident, but even then, he was that his presence was quite fleeting. Yeah, you know, I get into wrestling in late nineteen ninety. My cousin starts telling me about all these stories in nineteen ninety, but I don't have Sky, and he doesn't have videos or, or whatever. So the first time I get to watch The Ultimate Warrior, I think, was a video of SummerSlam 90. Slight slight distraction here. Um, for those younger people listening, a video is like a YouTube video, but it actually was cassette-based. Yeah. Imagine a... Well, just watch Stranger Things. 
That'll give you an idea of all the things that we're talking about. Have you watched Stranger Things? That is on my list. I'm currently on a Brooklyn Nine-Nine kick. I've, That's my Netflix jam at the minute. My, I've been going on a, on a bit of a TV binge at the moment. I'll give my recommendations here. Uh, You're the Worst. Very good uh, comedy with some dramatic in, uh, aspects of it. The People vs. O.J. Simpson is a really good show. Which one was so that So much one? better that than was the... American Crime Story. That was the was it's, that the dramatization? It's, yes, it's it's With, not the documentary, uh, David not the ES, yeah, David Schwimmer as well. Oh, that is incredible. As I Rob Kardashian that. and that, that uh, is amazing. And Cuba Gooding Jr. as OJ Simpson. Um and that was one of the few times where the real world seemed as absurd as the world of wrestling. <laughs> and and like I said, just then Stranger Things. Uh, another thing that just like Eighties, you know, uh, people people chewing on their member berries mm. to go South Park on. Member <laughs> Ultimate Warrior, <laughs> I member Ultimate Warrior. That's the thing. I mean, I know we've he's, a, our... he's a great figure of nostalgia now. That's the, that's the and point. he always will be that from now on. Like videotapes, yeah. like OJ. He, he embodies a very... particular nineteen eighty nine. To 1991. He's pegged to a very specific period mm. of time. Unlike Hogan, who adapted. Yeah, because there was there was Hulkamania Hulk Hogan. There was NWO Hulk Hogan. There was Hogan Knows Best Hulk Hogan. There was Gorka Trial Hulk Hogan. Hogan. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of different Hulk Hogan's. Ultimate Warrior... I mean, to be fair, we'll get to this. There was a warrior guy that had... Unusual beliefs and opinions. Well, they're not, unfortunately, not that unusual. Because this is one of the things we'll get to with the Ultimate Warrior, but um, it, one of the key things about the Ultimate Warrior is that Bret Hart, and the, you know, wasn't very kind to him in, in the books that he wrote. Ted DiBiase didn't like him. A lot of figures in the company, in the business, didn't like him. Specifically Vince because, included. Yeah, specifically because, as they put it, he couldn't work. He wasn't much of a wrestler. Mm. Does that matter? And if he's been in so many classic moments and classic matches, was he a bad worker? Like, it, uh, CM Punk is a defender of him as a performer. I remember in his Best in the World documentary, he got like a text message from the Ultimate Warrior and said, I've always had great respect for the Ultimate Warrior. If you're, you know, Raven says, bullshit Hulk Hogan's not a good worker. Mm. If you get the people in to cheer you, then you're a good worker. And after Hulk Hogan, you can make the case that the Ultimate Warrior is the second biggest draw of that era. Well, exactly. What it's, is... it's, a, it's a distance, you know. It's not photo finish nose to no, nose. No. But it's, you know... He is still second, though. Yeah. And that's not, that's not nothing. Well, I don't know if I would put him as second. I think you've got to put him alongside Randy Savage. Mm. They're kind of the key holy trilogy of that era. Roddy Piper for the... For the early stages. At its core, though, what is the point of wrestling? Uh, what is the point of a wrestler? Two sell tickets to get people to see him. Yeah. If you go off, if you go off that definition, then Ultimate Warrior was a great wrestler. Mm. If you're the kind of person to give quarter star ratings to matches, then you probably won't enjoy Ultimate but, Warrior's work. Uh, that's the weird thing about wrestling now, and we'll have to talk about a whole episode about this. Wrestling has gradually become more of an art form. Or at least be perceived as more of an art form both by those that really get into it and, more importantly, those that are part of it now. I think a lot of wrestlers perceive themselves as artists rather than businessmen. Mm. And The Ultimate Warrior, what's fascinating... like, if you, Have you ever read that letter that he sent the office around the time of 1991 where he wanted a different 
proportion of the merchandising and, and so was forth. Was this the SummerSlam incident? Yeah, but the, I think it was before then when he was trying to say, no one puts more work into their character than I do. No one mm. does this more than I do. And you look at some of the touches, his promos are thought out. It isn't stream of consciousness. It's just a very strange brain mm. that's worked on it, that talks about the skeletons and the spirits yeah. and you know his, his promo about him and Hulk Hogan driving their planes into the into the ocean or what have you he thinks about this stuff if you look at all the airbrushed coats i always said that one of the fascinating things about wrestlemania 7 was when he was having that match with randy savage he had the wwf championship airbrushed on his trunks saying there are more important things in life than gold and 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 trying to give Mm. an emotional importance to that match that very few wrestlers really do. Like, everyone now, at this moment in time, is going crazy over Dolph Ziggler shedding tears in a promo against The Miz putting his career on the line. And The Ultimate Warrior gave that impression. Like I said, like when we did our episode about entrances, I put The Ultimate Warrior's entrance at WrestleMania 7 as one of my four definitive greatest entrances, individual entrances ever, Mm. because he did something opposite. He didn't run. He walked, and he was conserving energy and really Mm. emphasising the importance of that match. And that's a thought going into your work, similar to like the uh, Shawn Michaels will put in that an uh, AJ Styles puts into that his match. CM Punk put that in. CM Punk puts into his match. They think about these moments, and he. So he was weirdly, I think, one of the first people to perceive themselves as an artist as well as a businessman hmm. in wrestling. Potentially, I mean. He was a work of art. He a was. Art. He was. He, he was. He had art on his face. He, there was thought into all of the designs of he his invested costumes, in the... into, into his face paint. It, oh. If you look at it, like when it starts in 88, 89, his face paint is very basic. It's maybe red or green with a black outline. And then as time goes on, more colours are added to it. It becomes more detailed. Um, he, you know, for WrestleMania 6, he puts another Ultimate Warrior insignia symbol on his chest. He adds the tassels, he adds the bright colours. He's gradually... like. Here's an example of something for you to look back on. It's not a great match, so don't watch it all. But if you watch the 1988 Royal Rumble, when it was the Mm. prototype 20-man Royal Rumble, the Ultimate Warrior is the last man to come out. And this is when the Ultimate Warrior was kind of seen as a, let's see what we've got here. Mm. Uh, We'll put him on the sea shows, put him up against Hercules and that, and see if he can sink or swim. There was no guarantee if Ultimate Warrior hadn't worked through with Hercules that he would then be pushed gradually, you know, into Continental title feud with Rick Reed. He was a fledgling upcomer. He was a fledgling upcomer, and he gets eliminated in a pretty nondescript fashion. So they very much didn't see him as the invulnerable character. Mm. He wasn't fully formed like you see him when he's doing his early promos, and he's just like... the. In the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior DVD, he's like, yeah, the best and the biggest come here to the World Wrestling Federation. So... It's all gradually coming into being. It didn't come fully formed. And there's not a lot of wrestlers that you can say their character evolves over time as vividly. In that era in particular, they kind of had an act and they moved it from place to place to place. Yeah, that was the territory style. I yeah. mean, it was that, that era of wrestling was... The, the Ultimate Warrior was kind of one of the first things that was sculpted within the WWF. You know, yeah. He was the Dingo Warrior and all that, but that wasn't... Hulk Hogan kind of began in the yeah. AWA. He, yeah, exactly. Hulk Hogan was a thing in Japan and the AWA before he was a thing in the WWF. Yeah. They didn't really do much of anything other than maybe 
bringing in the colours of Hulkamania and Hulk rules and everything like that. Does, does he draw? He was already a huge, as, as Dave Meltzer would like to point mm. out, Hulk Hogan was a draw before Vincent Mann got his hands on him. Yeah. It's it's a it's as we'll talk about later on. It's a so, an altering of history to suit someone else's purpose. As the first f- fully grown superstar to be grown by WWE, then does he invite comparisons with Goldberg in WCW? Yes, he's probably the closest. Goldberg's the closest thing that came to the Ultimate Warrior as an in a different way as an explosive character that wasn't necessarily having the best longest matches. But had the crowd reacting to him, and then gave off that era, that aura of invulnerability. Because this is one thing that the Ultimate Warrior got that no one else got, and no one else will ever get. I don't think he's the only other person that got to keep do a variation of Hogan's act. In that he takes the finisher, and he's the one that can kick out of it, and he's the one that can suddenly show utter invulnerability, hulking up in his different way. Instead of it being the shaking the head, it's the shaking of the ropes. ropes. And the series of punches and the clotheslines, it's, you know, it's a variation of Hulk Hogan's doing... Hulk Hogan does the three fists, sends him into the ropes. The Ultimate Warrior does the running clotheslines and the shoulder tackle, gorilla press, splash, splash. combo. Other guys of that era, you know, Bret Hart, Jim Duggan, uh, Roddy Piper even, they don't get to suddenly mm. feel no pain whatsoever, you know, and, and like be... If, if Roddy Piper gets punched, he doesn't go, that didn't hurt. Yeah. Even if he's on a comeback, he'll block the punch because he knows it will hurt him and he has to keep he has to keep he going. He has to keep the momentum. And again, that was what was so fascinating about WrestleMania six. That was that thing of Hulk Hogan can't be beaten by finishers, the Ultimate Warrior can't be beaten by finishers, then how do you beat someone that can't be beaten by finishers? The answer was it was one of the first times actually where someone kicks out of a finisher then gets hit with it again. Mm. You know, in those days, as everyone always points out, a finisher finished, finished the match. match. Except for Ric Flair's figure four leg lock. <laughs> Well, he, uh, this is the Ultimate Warrior had that, and I guess that's what that's what made him special is the fact, as you mentioned, that he could kick out of finishers, and that was more special back then. Which leads me to ask: the Ultimate Warrior is, in my opinion, the character you could is that you could least likely port from when he was prominent. To the modern day. I think a lot of them, to be honest, wouldn't be able to get booked in the modern day. Because it's much more important now for you to be having good matches. Mm. Uh, the, the base level of a quality of a match on the WWE undercards now on pay-per-views is really like two and a half stars to three stars. Back in the day of WrestleMania 4, the Ultimate Warrior would have a shitty match with Hercules. And it wouldn't really hurt his standing either with the wrestlers or with the company, or with the fans, that they were there to serve a purpose. So, you look at, I guess the closest thing to the Ultimate Warrior in the modern day would be Ryback. Yeah. And um, look how well that's And Ryback, the, the, you couldn't, because the Ultimate Warrior's aura could be kept up because you only had to see him on TV four or five times, you know, like one time every month, you'd yeah. see an Ultimate Warrior match on Wrestling Challenge, otherwise you'd see promos, and he would only have four big matches on TV every year at the pay-per-views. Yeah. Ryback has a big match, Ryback has a match every every week, Every week. at one point it would have been every twice every week, mm. uh, and then he's got to do a pay-per-view match, so the aura and the, and you might even and the, and the protection of him, the need to protect him is not as possible anymore. So Ryback was being protected, protected, protected until he was dealing with the Shield 
and he loses to the he loses to John Cena at Royal Rumble. Mm. Like he gets eliminated legit, so that's a chink in the armor. CM Punk beats him in the TLC match through interference. That's a chink in the armor. The Shield keep beating him in six man tag team matches. That's a chink yeah, in the yeah, armor. Right. And before you know it, it's WrestleMania, and he's losing to Mark Henry legit. If that had happened, if the Ultimate Warrior came back, I am now, still bitter about that match because yeah. that's the one time I've been one off for that entire WrestleMania. <laughs> that match cost me a lot of money. <laughs> and if the Ultimate Warrior came about now, he would be on NXT first, mm. and he wouldn't be allowed to loot to beat everyone. Must Baron Corbin. Similar, they tried to build him up like they would the Ultimate Warrior with squash matches, but there's requirements that he has to meet as a talent that he's maybe not quite able to do yet, and you're seeing him fail on TV. The Ultimate Warrior comes out, and there's no real, you know, there's no vid- unless you're really lucky to have taped that first squash match where he's only walking out and high-fiving the fans. Yeah. And and so forth. Like I said, these things that you see on the self destruction DVD because they go into the archives, it's not a concern. I see the Ultimate Warrior fully formed with the face paint and the entrance music and everything, and I don't have recourse to see the early stuff. I don't have those resources, and therefore the aura can't slip in my eyes. So you see I, him more... I can't, I can't... I don't see the Hercules match until yeah. years later on VHS and it's like, oh God, that was a, <laughs> that was a piece of crap, wasn't it? So you see him but more... But even then, as a kid, a match quality doesn't matter as much to me. Or, or I think every match is amazing, you know? Mm. So you see him more as a beneficiary of his era. Then. Yes, right. absolutely. And I think, uh, whereas guys like Bret Hart, I think that one of the... That's, as a Bret Hart fan, it frustrates me a little bit that Shawn Michaels seems to have gone so far further ahead in the all-time rankings... Because he got to do seven, eight years of being on pay-per-views every month and Raws and Smackdowns where the requirement was to have great matches. I think if Bret Hart had been that age and capable of going in those eras, he would have had as many multiple four-star, five-star mm. matches that you can physically see. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, was it, or did I just keep going on? <laughs> a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. <laughs> I mean, you touched on this briefly, Warrior as a businessman. Do you think, I mean, obviously, no one can deny it, did taint how people remember him, because a large portion of people didn't get to see him for a large portion of time. He's a, he was a very, I think one of the weird, one of the reasons that he didn't get along with Vince McMahon, for the most part, is because he was maybe too much like Vince McMahon. He was a, a he saw himself as a, an auteur in his own way mm. that he takes this ultimate warrior character and he he's it's as precious to him as the wwf brand is to vince mcmahon so he takes the warrior character and and takes the name warrior again similarities ryback has recently changed his name by deep pole to ryback um so he's the, he's doing a warrior as well in, yeah no, the and, and, art imitates life in so and, many ways and, and, and similarly quite an eccentric man in his own mind as well with that whole the secrets very driven individual in and his own way. His, he wrote an open letter, don't forget. As About well. business practices and, and so forth. How the guy who's paid to lose should be paid as much as the guy yeah, who's that's... paid to win because the guy who's paid to lose makes the guy look paid What do we call that, win. kids? Communism! <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, it's... The more we've delved into it, the striking similarities between Ryback and Ultimate Warrior... Yeah, yeah, I think if the Ultimate Warrior were to come around today, it would have been as a variation of Ryback. But was Warrior... I mean, was Warrior... Or if Ryback had turned up in that era, he would have been... I don't know if he would have been pushed. I always, I always, I kind of always... With a lot of those big guys, characters like 
Mojo Rawley and Ryback, guys that are body guys, big bulky guys that aren't great in the ring. Or, or to be fair, Ryback gets a bit, you know, he's better in the ring than, than most. Yeah. I always kind of see their ceiling as Jim Duggan. That's the one I always say. I said, Zack Ryder, Mojo Rawley, uh, all those guys. I say, look, the WWE needs a Jim Duggan. You know, you always need a Jim Duggan, a guy that can be slotted anywhere really on the card. If there's a big eight-man tag team match, he can tag with a Hulk Hogan or a yeah. John Cena. But if you just need someone to feud with the new foreign menace... He's that guy. He's that guy as well. So how R-Truth was that guy mul- on multiple occasions. Yeah, Rusev. and he's an eccentric character that usually the kids will like. Yeah. And, yeah, so... We, we, that's ruined us doing a Jim Duggan episode. <laughs> but um, we kind of covered Jim Duggan in one fell swoop there. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, so with him holding out for was it half a million he held out? I for? don't know the ins and outs. It was something it's... in that region that he held well, out. The for. thing is, if you look at the and business Vince... practices of Vince McMahon, he's what he's within his rights. Like you read in Bret Hart's autobiography that like he'd settle a contract and then suddenly an earlier version of the contract will be faxed to him. <laughs> I'm like, oh, sorry about that. You know, Vince McMahon is a scumbag businessman. And so maybe you've got to be a scumbag back to him to get anywhere. But, wrestling, but then it's, Was wrestling more scumbaggy back then because it oh, was yeah. territory-based? Yeah, absolutely. They're trying to corporatise it now. The, the scumbagginess now is in dealing with companies like Susan G. Komen and, <laughs> and doing Be A Star when their own practices are. At least Vince McMahon. Are still very. Um... Well, look at the way the comment, the commentators uh, deal with Byron Saxton. Yeah, I mean, uh, not to make a WWE Network plug, but the commentators episode of Ride Along is uh, about as far as removed as a beer star <laughs> uh, campaign ad would ever be. Well, you know, we'll, this isn't the episode to talk about it. The WWE has kind of moved away from that PG thing a little bit in recent days. It's mm. still PG, but it's not. PG PG. It's PG Max. Yeah, yeah, basically. It's it's similar to what do, the WWF was back in the 80s. Yeah. Where it was, it's gone from being... Where, co- it was, where it was for kids, but it wasn't all-in-all a kids' programme. It's gone from being Coke to Dr Pepper. Yeah. It's that soft drink with an edge. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, so... But there's... there's there's Now we've mentioned the PG area. Uh, era. Ultimate Warrior, very much a cartoony character, fit in the cartoony realm. Yeah, but again, when when Hulk Hogan does a winners don't do drugs or don't smoke kids, yeah. it kind of can work. The Ultimate Warrior does one where he's got loads of cigarettes inside of his mouth, you know. Yeah. Don't smoke, Again, doesn't work. As, Not as, relatable. As a mainstream character that can go on the Tonight Show, or you know, or fronted drugs. I mean, if you've ever seen the Oz Warrior on the Arsenio Hall show, it's uh, quite a quite. There's a there's a comedian called Paul Shear who who's does this thing called the Paul Shearneo Hall show, where he recreates Arsenio Hall interviews word for word, and he, one of the ones he does is Arsenio Hall and the Ultimate Warrior, and it is such a surreal thing again. The Ultimate Warrior, outside of the context of a world where there's guys called Earthquake <laughs> um, you know, and Typhoon and Typhoon and the and the Andre the Giants, it it just seems weird, you know. So yeah, but it's such a fascinating. It's it's so wrestling. Mm. The Ultimate Warrior is so much what. I think what people think when people think about wrestling when Hollywood producers ca- when like pe- make yeah, a wrestler actor, appear in a movie yeah, impersonate a wrestler the the voice they'll put on 
very often will sound quite like the Ultimate Warrior's voice yeah. or Hulk Hogan's voice. It is one of those two. Hogan because of his like name factor, mm. most likely. But Warrior is, as I say, as stereotypical a wrestler as you're ever going to get. Mm. What was Warrior's value? Uh, as would would as a, guy, we... as a guy that could hold up a decent house show taking when the when Hulk Hogan was away doing films, similar to Randy Savage in '89 was uh an 88 uh was what the ultimate warrior was in 90 he wasn't able to surpass the hulk hogan on match it and that's why wrestlemania 7 is headlined by hulk hogan taking on sergeant slaughter and ultimate warrior is the match underneath that's one of the things that's fascinating you know you, you love these ideas of alternate realities like what is the alternate reality where the ultimate warrior stays around after SummerSlam 91 mm. and after his feud with the undertaker's finished what what is that ultimate warrior doing then who is he being put up against who would be left? What would yeah. he do? Where would he go? Yeah. Would you have Ultimate Warrior versus Bret Hart? The baby face going do against you... the irresistible object? I mean, the, 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 the great what if for me that would have been fascinating to see would have been the what if they turned Warrior heel. Mm. Like, say, SummerSlam 92, the rumour goes that maybe one of the things they were thinking of doing with the whole who's Mr. Perfect in the corner of Randy Savage or the Ultimate Warrior yeah. was that it would be that the Ultimate Warrior had turned heel and had lined himself with them. An Ultimate Warrior versus Ric Flair feud would have been fascinating. An Ultimate Warrior versus Ric Flair match at 1993 Royal Rumble or something could have been a very interesting Rick, visual. The Ric the Rick Flair promos against Ultimate Warrior would have been something that well, would have Well, he did a few. Too. I think there probably is stuff out there. If you go on Daily Motion, yeah. there probably are. I mean, I know they did face each other in house. Oh, Daily Motion. la dee da or like daily motion. <laughs> 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 their sensors aren't as rewarding ah. <laughs> as YouTube are to their flagging people, the people who flag stuff. Um, I think we're pretty. Is there anything else? You the want question to... Uh, to expand on that. Sorry, the point I was trying to make with that. Uh, you mentioned that Hogan and Warrior and Savage were part of the Holy Trinity. I mean. Mm. If you took Warrior away from that Holy Trinity, would it have affected WWE's mm. sort of relentless march in the late eighties? No, because they would have they would have found someone else to give it to. They would have just had it be, I don't know, Kerry Von Erich. They mm. would have given it to instead of instead of the Ultimate Warrior. They would have they would have brought in Sting. They would have done everything within their powers to buy Sting in. Uh, Sting, of course, the early tag team partner of the Ultimate Warrior. Very similar characters, early doors. Yeah, variants of it. The Sting was again a more of a realistic, believable character that could, you know, he would no sell, but it'd be that weird spot with Ric Flair where just every once in a while his chop wouldn't affect him. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bit more all over the place. He's kind it? of a toe down warrior. Yeah, he was a he was a California. He was kind of the cross between Hogan and the Warrior. Yeah, and and the nineties sort of beach surfer dude as well. Oh, he uh, the bleach blonde hair. I mean. Mm. For those of you that only know one kind of Sting, go back to and watch Sting in his early days and you'll be... It is weird that the, the Crow Sting is seen as the definitive Sting now, when, when for me growing up it was such a departure. Again, another one of those, like, how is that the same person? Yeah. I mean, like the Kerry Von Erich rumour, mm. basically. Well, I don't think there was ever a rumour it was a different Sting. It was just an utter... Like, can you imagine if there'd been an Ultimate Warrior equivalent of that much of a change... 
And I think the closest thing I can think of is Undertaker just becoming a regular American bloke badass yeah. for three years. Yeah, and, and if Ultimate Warrior stuck around, but it's obvious that one of the biggest crimes that Ultimate Warrior had was not being a wrestling fan, mm. of not being tied to the business, of not needing to shake everyone's hand every single time. You know, manifesting itself in, in Bret Hart's eyes terribly when he recounts that story of him just ignoring a make a wish kid, uh, like in a wheelchair or something before he goes out, not giving him the time of day or anything. Um, so in that way, may you know? Do you think like, that's the like that's one of the problems I have with the sort of beatification of the Ultimate Warrior now? If he was still alive today, he would have had his Gorka moment probably, where there would have been a recording of him, you know, as he'd said already, queering don't make the world go round. Uh, that's you actually went on to clarify those comments, didn't really? he, later on, and say that what he meant by that is if everyone was gay, the world would die out. Yeah, but no one's saying that the world, everyone needs to be gay. Yeah, but yeah, no one's putting that scenario in front and of also, anyone. Also, with in vitro fertilisation, that's actually wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... so science has allowed us to all be gay now. <laughs> If we so wish. If we so wish. If we want to become Greek all of a sudden. <laughs> all they did were read books and occasionally... No, I'm not. <laughs> but you talk about the beatification and obviously we've already touched on that final appearance. Uh, and it's... I think it's... I think part of it is tinged with not just a personal regret, but if I'm being cynical, maybe a bit of a business regret. Oh, absolutely. You get... A name like the Ultimate Warrior back, and then that opportunity just goes, and now you get the Warrior reward. They're, they're milking this cash cow, and the, and the frustrating thing about it is they've gone completely against what the Warrior reward was supposed to be, as the Ultimate Warrior requested it. The Ultimate Warrior requested a Warrior reward for the technicians, for the road staff, for the people, the people behind, behind the scenes, scenes. and the WWE have instead turned it into "Look at us, we do stuff about breast cancer." Mm. And that's very. Although that's, that's going against his wishes. True. However, it's it's a. It's however, the, famous, fir- the it, first winner of the Warrior Award was acceptable. Like Connor the Crusher. That, yeah, that that. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be the villain. Yeah. Going, I'm just boom, making sure. <laughs> I am just making sure you are not I'm going not that disputing dark. that, but that's a different award. That's not what the Warrior Award is. True. That's just a flat. Like if you've got the Hall of Fame inductee celebrity wing. Hall of Fame humanitarian wing or something like that. Well, the that's Warrior kind Award. Of what... The first guy that should have got the Warrior Award was Jim Johnston. That's, that's, that's who a should good have got... That is a good shout. That's who should have got the Warrior Award. And who more perfect? If you know, as, as the self destruction kind of wanted to imply that the reason the Ultimate Warrior was great was because of various things, nothing to do with the Ultimate Warrior. One of which it's one of the few times I really did a whole bit about the music and mm. interviewing Jim Johnston about the music and saying, yeah, if anyone could have come out to that music and they would have been a mega star, you know? It's kind of a weird interview to have going, yeah, I'm brilliant and yeah. anyone could have made that look good. It's, it's basically what he said. The self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior and and then subsequently the Warrior Award. But there's, a f- there's another thing. There's going to be a generation of fans that will o- only think that the Ultimate Warrior was loved in the WWE yeah, eyes. absolutely. The self-destruction yeah. self was to make Warrior look persona non grata, and now the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior is persona non grata. There's no way that's going to come up as a network special. No chance. Absolutely no chance. I mean, you know, Ted DiBiase spends forever and ever dissing the Ultimate Warrior, and then there's that really awkward moment where 
Warrior points him out during his Hall of Fame speech. And then when he dies, and they're doing a tribute thing, there's a panel, and there's the ultimate. There is Ted DiBiase trying to say, uh, "Well, he's dead now." So uh, you know, I don't. I didn't hate the guy. Bret Hart as well. I remember like interviews afterwards when he'd always been harsh on the Ultimate Warrior. He's, you know, he, he don't speak ill of the dead. You yeah. know, um, so I think it's, but it's. But it's don't speak ill of the dead, but also don't... Someone did point out, though, But they're, about... they're dead to them if they've pissed them off. Yeah. You know? Someone did point out, and I don't know, like, how much you can read into this. When he was announced to be inducted, the person they felt they could find to induct him was Linda McMahon. No, that was the Ultimate Warrior's request. The Ultimate Warrior always liked Linda for whatever reason. Uh, you know, just like it was the Ultimate Warrior's request that instead of coming out with two divas on his arm, mm. he came out with his two daughters. Um, which which made sense. Yeah, but which made every other male wrestler look a piece of shit for not bringing the, having their daughter come out with them. You know, there'll be daughters guilt-tripping their dads about that for years to come. True, true. Ah, uh, So, I guess before we start heading towards the uh, peaky heights of Mount Rushmore, mm-hmm. is there anything you... What, what, what does the Ultimate Warrior... Somewhat what the Ultimate Warrior is and means to you, and what the Ultimate Warrior Warrior, stands at. Warrior is kind of like one of my member berries. He is like, you know, uh, the Crystal Maze, or... um, Fort Boyard. No, the Fort Boyard wasn't the thing I grew up with, that's the thing. It's something you grew up with, or Snooker, you know, Steve Davis. (laughs) (laughs) That is the only time you'll ever hear that comparison. That's what he is, but, you know, or, or like... It's not quite as apt, but say someone who grew up loving Jim will fix it. And you still love Jim will fix it, but now it's tainted by that. I'm not saying that Ultimate Warrior is as bad as Jimmy Savile, but there, there, are elements, <laughs> not. there are elements to his person that make me just as uneasy with them bigging him up, just as I felt uneasy and sick to my stomach at the hypocrisy of them doing the self-destruction element to it. He's a nuanced part. He was, he, the Ultimate Warrior, was, uh, it was a simpler time. That's what the Ultimate Warrior is. Okay. Wrestling was simpler. The matches were simpler. The characters were, you know, one or two dimensional. Um, there was no nuance to the Ultimate Warrior, but what there was was a great big, you know, colourful blancmange of a thing. He's like Bullseye. It yeah. was great at the time, but there's no real. I don't. It would it work now? You'd need to change it. You need to have... There you go. Like, Bullseye would now need to have sexy ladies on or something like that. Yeah. Or... Although it's so funny when you watch Bullseye now and they all look like hipsters, but it's unironic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah, that's what he is. He's not, you know... The Ultimate Warrior is a, is my Thursday swimming practice. That's what he is. He's, you know, a different, happier time when things were a bit simpler. Oh, um, I get what you mean. Yeah. It's it's sleeping around your mate's house to watch the pay per view. It's your mum coming it? back from the Tuesday big shop whilst question of sports on the telly. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what the Ultimate Warrior, the Ultimate Warrior is. What Jim Helwig is is a different kettle of fish. Um, yeah, and we have tried to separate the character from the man as much as yeah. possible. Yes, yeah. and look, look. I don't wish ill upon the man. You know, maybe he doesn't mean what, as he said. But you know, and also there was like anti-Islamic. Uh, Islamist stuff mm-hmm. and, and like saying someone to go wear a turban and you know I feel like he would you know want, if there's one small positive you know there's horrible things about him dying it's like you know we've lost you know two daughters have lost their father a woman's lost a wife has lost her husband at an early age 
but it's one less Trump vote. I, I don't or think one's going to make Maybe we would have voted for Gary Johnson. Well, well, let's, well, let's say that. We, we, we don't know. We just don't know. So, uh, <laughs> I'm going to let you take the lead. No, actually, I need you to take the lead because I need to think more about my Mount Rushmore's. Ooh. Or do you Ooh. Know, or do you have to think more about your Mount Rushmore's? Well, I was, I was going to suggest you go first, probably, because it was your, your time period. So. Okay, all right, okay. Uh, Mount Rushmore's. First one, obvious one, WrestleMania six. It is up there with Hogan Andre. I think to my generation, it's more important than Hogan Andre. Um, it what it's basically what brought me, and even though I didn't get to watch it until a few years afterwards, it was the one that was the one VHS I always wanted to rent. And when I finally found a Blockbusters that had that WrestleMania, I knew that was what I wanted to watch. For those who don't know what Blockbusters is, <laughs> go Google it. <laughs> Alter Vista it. Um, <laughs> So, WrestleMania 6. WrestleMania 7 as well. Uh, it's funny, actually. If you look at the round robin of that trinity, the Ultimate Warrior is 2-0. and oh. he beat Hogan's 1-1 one and, one and Savage is 0-2. Oh, <laughs> it seems almost like inverse to talent. Sa- Sa- Savage is the, um, the Apoel Nicosia of the Champions League group of 80s wrestling. Yeah, let's say that. <laughs> These are some interesting uh, analogies <laughs> we've come up with today. We should make a list like, when we feature when we do the Facebook thing. Watch us analogize the likes of Steve Davis, Apoel, <laughs> Wet uh, Tuesday more Tuesday evening big, big shops, bullseye, <laughs> bullseye. Um, yeah. So WrestleMania six, WrestleMania seven, his debut. In WCW, when he came out, guns are blazing. It was one of the few times that WCW was either beating Raw or what have you in the ratings when he finally made his return. Mm. Um, but then the bloviating, taking himself too seriously, Ultimate Warrior, who made a comic book, yeah, just goes on and on and on and just deflates the specialness of that moment with Hulk Hogan and then leads to the Hollywood Hogan. Then leads to the Halloween Havoc, and you realise that he basically was brought back to soothe Hogan's ego and for him mm. to get that win back. So that would be three, and like it depends on how my mood goes. Is it Ultimate Warrior saying queering don't make the world go around, or is it Ultimate Warrior coming back for that Hall of Fame? I will be gentlemanly and kind, and I will say it is his quote-unquote farewell speech on the Raw after WrestleMania 29, or was it WrestleMania 30? 30, it was after 30. Which was appropriate, because Daniel Bryan, again, the guy sort of around my age, that the Osmore was one of the things that got yeah. him into wrestling as well. It's... So there we go. This is, this is weird, because usually we have a uh, quite a bit of an argument, but mm. at least three of my match. Well, that's the problem then. If we need one definitive one, I have to come up with some alternatives. That's why I was saying. You, if you've yeah. gone with the obvious ones, and I could go with the more obscure ones, because we need seven. Uh, I am going with WrestleMania 6, because mm-hmm. that moment is, as I alluded to earlier, it is that generation's streak being over. Mm-hmm. You have, but in a positive way you know, to, to half yeah. the kids there. To half the kids, that would be as great as Daniel Bryan winning the world title, title at WrestleMania. The miracle, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do have, and it's a great match. That's the thing about that. It's a great match within the context, within the genre of '80s superhero, larger than life steroid wrestling. Mm. That's probably 
the Citizen Kane of that genre of wrestling. The only other ones that kind of come close are like Hulk Hogan Savage at WrestleMania 5. Yeah. Like, there are better matches within that era, but Savage Steamboat is not... A 80s yeah. superhero match. Like, I could say that was arguably the artistic pinnacle of both Warrior and Hogan. Okay. Because that was Hogan also kind of having to be the carrier. Mm. As, as it, and it was obviously very well rehearsed. You know, maybe the true hero of that is Pat Patterson, or whoever <laughs> it was that struck it. But it's a great match. It's, I would say I'd so I would say WrestleMania six mm-hmm. for those reasons, mm-hmm. um, and as I say, just the iconic moment that it is. I am going to say his final appearance. Okay. Uh, I am also going to say Halloween Havoc because it shows. Well, I wasn't saying Halloween Havoc. I was saying his debut. Ah. So if I take his debut and you take Halloween, I'm Havoc. taking Halloween Havoc because it it shows the point I've we've kind of made that he was very much a product of that three year period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you took it and put it against the cool nouveau Hulk yeah. Hogan. Yeah. He was coming in an era where as the internet wrestling fan and matches were being rated by star ratings and suddenly you needed to have better matches. AOL was the hot shit. Yeah, the and, and the and like when they're doing the self destruction and they want to point and laugh at the Ultimate Warrior, Halloween Havoc is their way of being able it's to perfect point and laugh for at him. And oh, the final one I'm gonna go for it's it's a weird one. It is a weird one, but and this makes me sound really morbid and shows the limit of my range of the Ultimate Warrior. But it's the tribute video. Mm-hmm. Um, WWE now to do a good tribute video. Unfortunately, is... they've had a lot of experience <laughs> having to do it. That, that's the tragic part. <laughs> but the Warrior tribute video is... Oh, this is going to make me sound morbid, but one of my favourite mm. ever tribute videos. Yeah, my favourite is uh, Roddy Piper's. Ah, uh, Guerrero Hurt mm. by Johnny Cash. Yeah, that's too depressing. Like, like the Roddy Piper one was an out and out celebration. Yeah. You know, it was smiling Roddy Piper. It was, you know... But, uh I know it's weird and morbid, but that, that that's my fourth, because... So you've gone Halloween Havoc, WrestleMania 6, Farewell Speech, and... Tribute, tribute video. video. So I've got WrestleMania 6 is going to be our definitive one. I've also got WrestleMania 7. Yeah. And I've got his debut in WCW. Mm. So now I need a fourth Mount Rushmore separate from those. I will say... I kind of want to give credit to his Ravishing Rick Rude feud. Yeah. But I think that's maybe more for the Rick Rude episode. You should be giving credit to him for that. Uh, there's a lot of things to be tempted by. His WrestleMania 12 return again within the, that world, just within that new generation era, it was obviously not clicking. And just the sight of him being able to squash one Hunter Hearst Helmsley and maybe creating the political monster that became <laughs> Triple H. Maybe, you know, it's one of those ripple effects, you know, flapping of a <laughs> butterfly's wing. That that was what led to NXT existing. <laughs> In that case, I'm all for. <laughs> no, that's a bit of a stretch. Uh, it's I guess it's got to be things that I would want people to see to get a grasp of the Ultimate Warrior. Um... See, I usually make a list so that this this would be a lot easier. A lot. Quicker. You've mentioned a lot in previous episodes. Uh... Jake Roberts sort of interaction. Yeah, with again, Ooh. but that seems more of a Jake Roberts. Okay, here we go. The Ultimate Warrior with the oozing black blood when Papa Shango put the curse on. You know, I nearly picked that myself. Yeah, 
Again, just a silly... He sold it for all he's worth, but it another one of those things you can... Apparently, it's, it's, he didn't... Because apparently that was in a period where he was meant to have some form of creative control, and he hated that idea. Yeah. It's just right on that spectrum of The Ultimate Warrior. It's so close. It's either awesome or it's stupid as hell. Yeah. Like, like that's something you put Not on. Not unlike students yeah. ironically watching yeah. Bullseye. It's the sort of thing that can go viral. Like, if it was, if it was just a, a minor wrestling promotion doing that, it's kind of. Are you, are, you, are you comparing it to the final deletion? Yeah, in a way, it is kind of a fun, but but no sense of irony to it whatsoever. Okay. Or maybe there is. You know, sometimes I always wonder with Vincent Mann, because sometimes I do think he just is putting on the Muppet show. Yeah, well, he has been quoted as saying that wrestling is vaudeville. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. So that has been a long discussion about the Ultimate Warrior. Now, Simon, if people want to get in touch with you to talk more about the Warrior or Anything else? What can they do? Uh, they can uh, contact us on Facebook. They can contact me on Facebook. Uh, I am Simon Cross. I'm not hard to find. On Twitter, I am Simon Cross Free. So known because uh, I am currently in the process of having my third um, time that I've forgotten to think of a thing. Yeah, there you go. There we go. <laughs> no, no, you're Simon Cross. Uh, here we go. We'll re-record. You'll sum across three because your favourite Lana Ritchie song is Three Times a Lady. That is, that is true. Okay, so um, my name is Lorcan Mullen. That's as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Which, given the, the promoter, the MC at a stand-up gig I did recently, took about two minutes for me to explain what it was. <laughs> it needs more explanation than that. It's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Apple N for Norman. That's my Twitter handle. That's also my email address if you just drop an at gmail.com at the end of it. And you can buy a copy of the aforementioned ebook by getting yourself an ebook or a Kindle app on your uh, smartphone. smartphone. Tablet. Yeah, tablet. And just get yourself a copy of Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan to see how the Lorcan of a couple of years ago felt about a pre Warrior Award, pre Return to Hall of Fame, pre, you know, death. But post queering don't make the world go round, so that might give you an idea of how I felt. <laughs> Ultimate Warrior, and if you want more memories of the mum coming back from the big shop, that is very much what that book is. Uh, I've not read the book, but I've heard like that the, chapter is utterly lit. The, the big shop. To, to quote, oh, what, to quote when, when to mum started that. buying the one kilogram box version of the Kellogg's Frosties, Oof. I was you know in diabetic heaven. <laughs> but until the next time. My name's been Lorcan Mullen. And my name's been, and will continue to be, Simon Cross. For now it's Lorcan Mullen, but (laughs) when I leave the house. (laughs) Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great time. Until the next time, farewell, Grapple fans. Survive. Don't deprive yourself of the full power. Be a survivor. Don't smoke.